What's going on, everyone? This is episode four of Bet to Win. I'm Claudia Balafato alongside my co-host and friend, Joe Fan. Joe, we're going to go over what happened in NFL Week 2, where the book won, where the public cashed out, and then, of course, we're going to get to winning picks. But before we do that, you had yourself quite the birthday weekend. I had an eventful weekend. It was a great Saturday. I got to golf, had a nice little steak dinner, and on Sunday, I had a very eventful gambling weekend. And and the unfortunate part of it is is I lost my my winning bet my my best bet of the week was a five leg parlay that was it couldn't lose it couldn't lose it, it was it was Browns it was Bucks it was Rams uh, it was Patriots mm-hmm. and it was the Chiefs and the first four legs won and I'm sitting there thinking this is good. The Chiefs start the game with a pick six. They're up the entire game. Yeah. The Ravens were fantastic. Lamar Jackson was tremendous, put on an MVP-type performance. But the Chiefs still were driving down the field to kick a game-winning field goal. And for the second straight week, my best parlay of the weekend loses to a running back fumbling. It was Damian Harris in week one. It was Clyde, Edward, Clyde Edwards-Elaire uh, on Sunday night. Just crushing I put that out there. I wanted to be able to, to say, hey, I gave this pick to you guys and it cashed. Mm-hmm. The uh, good news for me, un- unfortunate for maybe users who listen to the show, is I had I had a great betting day overall because one, when when the Chiefs were up like seven to ten, I, I put a pretty solid hedge down to where I still made money on that game on the Ravens money line, got a good number live. But I had some very eventful teasers that hit. I really we're going to have to talk a lot about all the games we miss, which is going to be a lot. Yep. But like every once in a while, we get things right. And I went into this weekend feeling really good about money lines and uh, teasers. And so I have one 11-leg teaser that you're seeing right now if you're watching. I'll run through it if you're listening to the podcast. This was a seven-point teaser, which essentially means, if you're new to teasers, that, that you get seven points in your favor. It obviously diminishes um, the return and what the odds are, but it makes it a more comfortable hit. So I had Carolina plus 10.5, Cleveland minus 5.5, Cincinnati plus 10, Vegas plus 12.5, Buffalo plus 3.5, uh, the Rams plus 3, Denver plus 1, New England plus 1.5, Arizona plus 2.5, Tampa minus 5.5, and, and Tennessee plus 12.5. For a second, Tennessee wasn't covering. They ended up winning that game outright. Arizona, that was a wild game, but even with that last field goal, if the, if the Vikings make it, it's a two-point loss that covers so that was a pretty stress-free $20 bet to win $400. I had another seven-leg, six-point teaser that also hit. I put $50 on to win $500. Uh, Browns minus 6.5. Bills plus 2.5. Rams plus 2. Niners plus 2.5. Tampa Bay minus 6.5. Tennessee plus 11.5. And the Patriots essentially in a pick So I had a good day. That's a nice little $1,000 in the old pocket on your birthday weekend but I just was sad that the one I put out publicly didn't hit. And I'm just, I'm just bitter that running back fumbles have burned me now two weeks in a row because I'm just, I was sitting there. I was like, we're good. I mean, Harrison Butker is not going to miss. Pat Mahomes, even when the Ravens scored, the live line was still yeah. Chiefs at minus money. Like the, the book was like that Patrick Mahomes is going to do what Patrick Mahomes does. Everyone the Chiefs thought. are going to win. Yeah. But wait, <laughs> he did not. Unfortunately. So I'm sorry to those yeah. of you tailed. I yeah. thought it was a guarantee. Hopefully you hedged on the Ravens in game like I did. Joe's being humble. 
He wasn't being humble to me. When this happened, he burst into my apartment because we live in the same apartment complex. I was excited. Came in screaming, arms flailing. I hit both of my parlays, blah, blah, blah. So, like, I'm, Is that jealousy I'm, I'm I hear good, in your I'm voice? I'm a good friend of Are a good you? Co-host, Hold up. But Let honestly, me tell you. But watching this game last night, I was like, I hope <laughs> the Chiefs do not win. I have to, like, I, I'm being transparent. To our viewers, it's true. I was really rooting. You for texted me after like the morning games. It's like halftime of the 10 a.m. starts, and you said, "Congrats!" Like no one had even won at that point. And then in the middle of Chiefs game, she runs it back. <laughs> I was trying to reverse it, man. Like, really oh, I'm a good friend. No, you're not. I mean, not really. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. that's pretty cold. <laughs> well. This actually leads into our discussion because I want to talk about where the I'm book a good won. friend. Where the book won. You said you good friend. Last week we Listen, talked about happy where, for you. where the public was, where the money was. So now let's talk about who really won aside from the teams that actually won. We already talked about that game with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Joe lost. The book won there. Another game where the book won is the Bears and the Bengals. The Bears beat the Bengals by three, covering as two-point favorites. We saw Fields take over for an injured Andy Dalton in the second quarter. Dalton left, came back for a series, but ultimately he was out for the rest of the game. Not as much praise as we saw for Fields than we did for him going in for week one. He went 6 of 13 for 60 yards and an interception, but... It's a bad pick, too. Got, pick was, six. It was. And you heard about it, and if you're on Twitter, you read about it. But he got it done down the stretch. The book one year, public was heavy on the Bengals, so not a ton of faith overall in this Bears team yet. What do you make of this team right now? The Bears? I think they're just a good, not great team. I think they're a team that's going to be annoying to beat on a, on a weekly basis. There's enough talent there. But, I mean, Allen Robinson, two catches on four targets for 24 yards. Daryl Mooney's the leading receiver. Couldn't get their tight end involved. Uh, David Montgomery's a nice running back, but... You know, you're running back in 2021 is not carrying a team to the playoffs. And Justin Fields is going to have to go through some growing pains. So I think they're, they're fine. They're going to be competitive. I think very similarly about the Bengals. The Bengals play enough defense and have enough pieces offensively to be competitive. But Joe Burrow, he threw interceptions on three consecutive passes. This is a game the Bengals easily could have won. What's also crazy is, is how close it came to, to such a backdoor cover and ultimately would, would have won if you got it at, if you bought a point and got it at plus three, you ended up getting a push out of it. Or if you teased it, as I did in one of those, mm-hmm. you got a nice backdoor cover um, because of the Justin Fields interception. They scored 14 unanswered points um, after being down 20 to three. And then it was a couple of first downs by the Bears that iced the game and, and didn't allow the Bengals to get it back. But yeah, I think these two teams are very similar. And I think you hope that they're both on an upward trajectory given that they have young quarterbacks. It just depends which young quarterback hits. And we don't know enough about either to, to feel cr- uh, confident that, that either Burrow or Fields uh, is going to be the guy that, that leads those franchises back to the postseason. And Matt Nagy did say after the game, when Andy's ready... He's our QB one. So he is not letting down on that. It was pretty funny. He was asked. I, I, I did hear him ask, and he was, I mean, it was the follow-up the next day on Monday morning. Is Fields, who's going to start next week? And, and, uh, and, and Matt Nagy's response was, I'm not going to answer scheme questions. And, and the yeah. reporter goes, well, it's not a scheme question. He goes, yes, it is. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> He's just loving this game that we're playing, but we all know that he loves Andy. Uh, so hopefully, in all seriousness, that he he gets better. We. I want to find someone that's as committed to me <laughs> as oh, that's, as that's, Matt. That's my life goal. As yeah. Matt Nagy is committed to Andy Dalton. As am I. 
Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are not many prior relationships, even like the healthy ones that are out there that are as committed as those two. Yeah. Yeah. I you got to like respect it. it. Like there's no competition. He's the guy. Yeah. Uh, another one where the book won, and this time I lost. Claudia lost. Panthers beat the Saints, covering plus three. If you remember. <laughs> Panthers beat the brakes off the Saints. They didn't just beat them. All right, em. chill, chill. No. I did take the Saints by the three. After you rooted against the Chiefs last night. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Your bet was over from the jump. Yeah. 17-0 at halftime. We got to see old Jameis in week two. It's the Winston experience. A buck 11, it, it no touchdowns and, and two picks. Experience. I understand. I also think, I will admit, I think an important part of betting is to not just say, okay, I lost this bet, but to look at it and see why you lost it. So we knew they had some injuries on both sides of the ball. I understood that. I still was pretty confident. After what we saw in week one and the competition they faced, I was pretty confident what we saw in Winston. But clearly he's just the same old Winston. Um, I also think I kind of underestimated eight assistant coaches being dealing with COVID because I guess if you don't really actually if you've never actually played the game you don't think about that as much but I think it had a bigger impact on the game than I expected going into it especially when things are going south and like you get into the halftime locker and we're like we need to make some adjustments and none of the position coaches are there yeah but I think the Panthers deserve some flowers through two weeks they're two and oh for a reason they've they've been really impressive and I think the reason why I had a little bit of apprehension and I, I mostly stayed away from that game um was because they play defense. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy Chin and Brian Burns are stars. Their offense is, is tremendous with obviously a healthy Christian McCaffrey is, is putting up big numbers, but DJ Moore continues to quietly be one of the most uh, unappreci- underappreciated receivers in football. He had eight catches for 79 yards and a touchdown in this one. Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall are nice complimentary pieces as two and three receivers. Dan Arnold caught three passes, 55 yards, and what you're seeing And Joe Brady's offense is Sam Darnold is comfortable. He's getting time to throw. He's got guys open. There's so much less that he has to do from a progression standpoint, from a mental standpoint. There's so much the coaching staff is taking care of him for him to go along with guys who can just win and beat their guy and be in the right spot. And you're seeing that. He threw one egregious interception that was just horrific. But beyond that, 305 yards and two touchdowns against a defense that dominated Aaron Rodgers the week prior is really impressive. And so, so far, Sam Darnold post, uh, why can't I think of the old uh, Jets coach, Adam Gase, thank you. Gase. How could you voice forget? In my, voice Adam in Gase. my ear, <laughs> producer Cole. Has been, the returns have been really impressive. Yeah. It just is a shame that it had to come at the expense of your best bet. I think you make a good point, too, in talking about kind of how in touch the whole entire team is when it comes to the coaching staff, when it comes to the individual players getting used to a new offense. I think for the Saints here, aside from some of the issues I talked about going into this game specifically, but the bigger issue is you have a quarterback and a coach with sort of different game plans, right? Sean Payton has used a running back heavy scheme for years, Winston is the opposite. If you look back to his full season 2019 with the Bucks, he only used his backs 15% of the time. You have Alvin Kamara. He should be your number one, especially right now when Michael Thomas is out. Kamara has never had less than 700 receiving yards in a season. Right now, I looked at his stats. Just guess what he is on track for right now for receiving yards. Well, I'm looking at it now. He only had 25 in, in week oh. two, and I think in week one he was probably, what, in the 35-yard range? Yep. And so he, somewhere he's on in pace the... for 250. He's yeah. never had less than 700. 
Stop relying on just trying to get the ball down the field. You know, check down to your backs. Get that ball to Alvin Kamara. Let him be your weapon. I just don't think they're on the same game plan here. And I think if they figure that out, until they figure that out, I'm staying far away from this team. Yeah, YOLO ball is really fun when it's working, but it becomes horrific when it's not. Right. And that's what Jameis Winston was in Tampa. When it was clicking, yes. and him and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are, are going, like, man, this offense is a juggernaut that can't be stopped. But but then when it is stopped, it looks really bad, and that's mm-hmm. what we saw on Sunday. So yep. you're, you're right. The Saints, to me, are a team just to stay away from for now because they, they, they are very likely to be Jekyll and Hyde throughout the season. Yep. Quickly, before we move on, uh, I want to talk about where the book won in terms of over-under. The over-hit in the Seahawks-Titans game, it was at 59.5. A lot of money came in on the under there. So a big win for the book. Quickly, I want to talk sides because I know this is your team. They blew a 14-point lead. What happened here, and uh, how are you looking at them going forward? Yeah, it was an embarrassing loss for the Seahawks. I mean, it was uncharacteristic for a Russell Wilson-led team to not be able to close. The defense giving up the touchdowns, I think that's to be expected. Derrick Henry ran wild in the second half. He had three touchdowns, a buck 80 on the ground. He was tremendous. But I, I still remain shocked that they couldn't ice the game with a final score uh, in the fourth quarter. But even after having to kick the ball away in overtime, they get the ball back and they go three and out. And it was a three and out that should have ended the game because Russell sails two ugly passes that weren't catchable mm-hmm. to the sideline. And then he takes a, a really bad sack that, to me, was a safety. I don't know how it was called anything otherwise. The Titans end up winning. They deserve the win. Um, but it's a choke job. And you can't afford to lose those games when you're in the NFC West and, and you're, the rest of your division is 2-0. and Of course, it's a long season. I'm not overreacting to it in terms of, of, of how it makes me view their ceiling. But when you're looking at, at the hype, and I was all on the train of, of the Russell Wilson-Shane Waldron connection, the new offensive coordinator, he was very stagnant in the second half and scoring just six points against the Titans defense that was shredded by Arizona in week one is just not good enough. And so well, it's easy to pin blame on the defense, and they were a liability for sure in the second half. Um, you're a team that, that is offensive driven and your offense has to get it done when, when asked to. And I'm, I'm still, yeah, shocked that Russell Wilson couldn't get that field goal in, in overtime. Quickly, I want to go over where the book lost and kind of where they got lucky. They got lucky in the Vikings and Cardinals game. We already talked about this a little bit, but I want to mention Kyler Murray because he did have two interceptions, but he had 400 yards, three passing touchdowns. We've talked about MVP with guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, but Kyler Murray's odds went from 20 to 1 to 10 to 1. Now he's at plus 650. Do you think that's an overreaction? I don't think so because of what they're asking him to do. There's no reason why Kyler Murray doesn't end up with the most impressive, strictly numbers of any quarterback in football. When you factor in what he does as a runner, he had 31 yards and a touchdown on Sunday against the Vikings, mm-hmm. but he's throwing the ball 36 times, he's got 400 yards. And, and, and the this, this style in which it's all happening, I mean, he's a video game right now. I mean, the way he's having to extend plays, scramble, find guys downfield, it's a joy to watch. He is an absolute problem. Uh, and I don't, if you're still a Kyler Murray skeptic, I'm not sure what you're waiting for. There are still some, some bad turnovers, certainly, and some decisions that need to be cleaned up. But you see what the upside is. And it really is one of the elite game maker, game gamers, playmakers is the word I'm looking for in the NFL. When you talk Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, guys who do things that you, you simply can't game plan for, 
because you feel like you've got it all covered. The play breaks down, and then a, a whole separate play starts the scramble drill. And right now, Kyler Murray's doing that better than, than anybody. And he's got four stud wide receivers to go to. A.J. Green caught his first touchdown in Arizona yesterday. DeAndre Hopkins only had to catch four passes, only had four targets, 54 yards and a touchdown. Rondale Moore, their number four wide receiver, their rookie, seven catches on eight targets for 114 yards and a touchdown, that being a 77-yarder. Uh, Max Williams, their tight end, had seven catches for 94 yards. I mean, they, Christian Kirk had two touchdowns in week one, had 65 yards in this one. I mean, they are loaded. They're just going to have to overcome a defense that is going to get torched quite a bit. And, and I think you can't, I mean, you, you can't overstate how polarizing the defensive performances were from week one to week two for this team, where they shut down a really good Titans team in week one and made them look really bad and pedestrian and then got gashed by Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen in week two. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of differences from week one and week two performances certain teams specifically you know which we'll see how the Packers do today uh quickly I want to go over where the book lost and we'll start with the Bills in Miami Bills one covered easily as three and a half point favorites Miami scoring zero points to the Bills 35 tickets of the money were heavy on the Bills here Tua of course getting taken out of the first quarter terrible for him terrible for the team in general that definitely helped the Bills side of things but we saw a close game between Miami and the Pats in week one how much does this say about the Bills, or do you think just this isn't really a game to focus on because Tua got taken out so early? I don't think you'd overreact to it, but I said going into this one, I, I mentioned it on Thursday before going into the weekend, that I felt like I was missing something with mm -hmm. three and a half. I mean, the, the Bills were a team that we all believe are one of the top Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. They obviously didn't play a good game against the Steelers, but to totally jump off of the Josh... Allen bandwagon when he was number two in MVP voting last year seemed bizarre. I didn't see anything from Miami against the Patriots, a game they should have lost if not for the Damian Harris fumble, mm -hmm. to say that they couldn't go in and take care of business against Miami. So whether or not, you know, let's say Tua stays healthy, that's maybe they score 10, 14 points, whatever, but the Bills covered that easily. That wouldn't have changed, even though Miami did, um, you know, kind of, fumble away a couple of opportunities in the red zone in the first half. Mm -hmm. The Bills are a superior team, and that wasn't a real surprise um, that the public won there. I speak of the Patriots. Another game where the book lost was the Patriots game. They won and easily covered as six-point favorites against the Jets, 25-6. to six. Tickets and money both heavy on the Patriots. A brutal game for Zach Wilson, man. When you get booed by your own fans at home, I cannot – I know it probably wasn't just at him. It was at the years of, of turmoil that they've experienced with that team. But still, that's brutal. They're just used to seeing their team get smoked by the Patriots at home. They've, been, they've watched this movie for two decades. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they have to relive it now and there wasn't any sign of, like, we're closing the gap. Mm -hmm. It's tough. Zach Wilson, yeah, you tip your cap to a Bill Belichick defense going against a rookie quarterback, but some of those, I mean, J.C. Jackson, both of his interceptions, you look at it and you're saying, what are you looking at if, if you're Zach Wilson? They're just, they're not severely under pressure. They're just bad decisions of just not seeing the defense that's there. And when you watch the replay, it's not like it feels well disguised. It's just, it's just poor decision making from a rookie quarterback. And so, um, not great from yeah. Zach Wilson. And I think you don't have to, you don't have to overreact. Like, Mac Jones played a fine game, but Mac Jones is not being asked to do nearly as much as Zach Wilson is. There's so many more complimentary pieces around Mac Jones, especially with the defense and the coaching staff that's been in place for so long. Yeah, 
true. Zach Wilson, on the other hand, um, having to you know carry a team and 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 come back and erase a, two, a multi-score deficit, mostly of his own doing because of the turnovers, mm-hmm. is just something that's going to be a challenge uh, for him in the early going. Yeah, and someone actually asked him after going back to Sam Darnold days. I said, "Did you feel like you were seeing ghosts out there?" And he oh, kinda, he kind of laughed really... and said, "Yeah." He said, "No." So you kind of wonder what he was seeing. Two of that's two, of, two of the four interceptions. The first two were on the first two passes of the game. So clearly he just started off rough. Belichick now 21-6 and six against rookie quarterbacks. You mentioned Mac. I want to touch quickly on the Patriots because they are my team. Uh, after week one, I was a little nervous seeing all of the mistakes they had in terms of penalties and turnovers. And Mac didn't look as comfortable as I thought he would. I think it's because the pieces around him weren't really working. But in this game, they cleaned up the penalties and turnovers. He got the ball to seven different players, completed over 70% of his passes. So they were spreading the ball well. Defensively, they pressured Wilson effectively, as we know. Seven quarterback hits and four sacks. So I still have faith in my Patriots team. And um, just for Zach Wilson's, I, I just hope he, I hope he gets better. you know, And I hope his team supports him a little more than they are right now. Because it must be brutal <laughs> for him. Yep. I, I- it's tough, and it's just, I think if you're a Jets fan, you're just saying, here we go again. Yeah, here we go again. Uh, Cowboys, quickly, I want to go over. They won as three-point dogs against the Chargers, winning and covering. Both teams coming into this with injuries at key positions. We saw some questionable coaching decisions, questionable officiating. You could maybe say controversial God, the officiating, officiating. was terrible all weekend. It was pretty bad. I mean, brutal. Yeah. Across the board. Mm-hmm. But especially in this game. Yeah. It was, it was pretty brutal. There was a ton of penalties, too. Like, this just was not a pretty game. It all led to a 56-yard kick to seal the deal. The Cowboys, though, and you know I'm hot on these Cowboys in terms of futures. I took them over nine and a half wins, so this is, this is great for me. But the defense was the issue, right, in week one. In week two, they intercepted Justin Herbert twice. They allowed only one passing touchdown. On the offensive end, the running game was big here. The passing game was big in week in week one so it's good to see that they have confidence in that so i like my odds here on this win total clean up the mistakes defense getting better offense continuing to thrive i don't know if that's just because i already placed this bet so i'm high on them but <laughs> yeah i'm curious what the deal is with amari cooper uh, he went down late to an injury they're already without michael gallup being without two of their three stud receivers uh, with cd lamb being the only healthy target w- would be an issue for that passing game Th- this would have been i'm glad i stayed away from a betting standpoint, because this would have been an infuriating game to watch, no matter which side you were on, or the over, or the under. Yeah. I mean, this this is a game that opened at 50 points and ballooned to 56 in terms of, of the total. It ended with 37 total points scored. The over never had a, a chance looking at the scoreboard, but then you look at kind of the turnovers mm-hmm. and the penalties. There were three turnovers in this game. There were 20 penalties. There were... Two Chargers touchdowns called back due to penalty. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if you're watching this game and you're on the other side, you're thinking, I had this right. My Chargers minus three bet was was well placed. It was well thought out and it should have hit. And then you also, you know, you're losing, you feel like it's a bad beat. You win, you feel like you should walk away feeling like, dang, the Cowboys got a little bit lucky and I'm happy to, to, to cash that ticket given that easily could have gone either way. It was sort of an ugly game, didn't have a ton of a rhythm. Um, lots of, of abrupt stops in terms of, like we mentioned, the penalties and the turnovers. But um, both these teams are, are very talented. I still am a huge Justin Herbert fan. I mean, he just has a few throws every week that are just like mm. teach tape. Yeah. I mean, you just, it, it, beautiful. Um, Austin Eckler was involved. I love Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Those two continue to eat and dominate. So um, 
I'm not worried about the Chargers at all. If if anyone in Los Angeles is feeling like that was a reason to worry. But if we're giving the flowers to the Panthers, we're definitely giving some flowers to my Cowboys, right? Can yeah, it's a good win. You're on you're on the road <laughs> against a really good football team. It's a great win. Before we get to our winning picks, uh, quick Monday overreaction because we only have two weeks. But of course, we're going to overreact because that's what we do. Give me one fan base who should panic right now and one fan base who should feel pretty good. I'll give you two okay. that should be panicking a bit because what's the, it's 11% of teams that go 0-2 make the playoffs. The Vikings and Colts are in a bad spot. The Colts are in a better spot because their division is so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, if the Titans can figure out, they potentially the best team in that division. But with Carson Wentz, not one but two sprained ankles, which mm. that just sounds miserable. That's so brutal, yeah. Like, I can't imagine. You, like, have crutches on one, limp around on one good ankle. But, like, two sprained ankles is, like... He's wheeling around. That's just... Yep. That's tough. Yeah. Um, and then the Vikings... You play a game like that and you put up the offensive production that you do and, and you still lose. You miss a 37-yard chip shot. That's painful. But I really empathize with the Vikings fan who was driving around town, running errands on a Sunday, tuning into the radio to, to see how their 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 favorite team is is finishing up. And you're, I personally don't enjoy listening to games on the radio, any sport. Yeah, it makes me nervous not being able to see it. Yeah. Like I hate that, Like whether it's baseball, and the three-two pitch is on the way. Yep. Swung on, and it's like, oh my gosh, is it? I'm like, oh, no, is it it's just a pop. It's just a, it's just a pop out to second base. Like my heart's racing, and then traffic. Yeah. Yeah, NFL is the worst. So, so here, here comes, you know, Joseph lines up a, a 37 yard to win the game. He'd already made two 52 yarders. You're thinking they got it, and and this is the call that you hear in your car. Come on, it is good. Oh, no, he's not. Are you kidding me, Mr. Wright? You missed it right. That's so messed up. Like, what a tease. You're in your car. You're probably, like, sitting there, like, and it's, yes, no, what? Like, and you watch the replay. Yeah. And you want to, like, what angle were they looking at to where they thought it was good because it wasn't close? No. It was, like, a good six feet wide. But that's just a special twist of the night for Vikings fans who had to endure that. I would say my one team without every team we've seen has a pretty notable deficiency. Mm-hmm. There's not really a two and O team that has looked flawless of yet, which is what we love about this league yeah. and why very few games end up being chalk like the Patriots and bills game. Mm-hmm. But outside of the bucks and even the bucks, they let the, the, uh, they let the Falcons get, what was it within three? And then they end up winning yeah. comfortably with a couple of defensive touchdowns. But I think if you're you're the defending champs and you brought all your starters back and you're two and zero and Tom Brady's got nine touchdowns through two games, yeah, yeah they're feeling yeah. pretty good. The Bucks have nothing to worry about. Uh, let's get to winning picks tonight. We finish off week two. Packers eleven and a half point favorites at home against Detroit. Before I'm we... shocked you didn't bring in <laughs> like some like sage or what do you use to like exercise demons? Is it sage? <laughs> chill, you bring chill. in like a like a is it like a crucifix or something and like bring it around the studio? <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. If you're, not, not if you're not watching and you're listening, the graphic's not pretty. And um, I can't talk. Well, yeah, we're combined yeah. one and five. That's your right. Let's just leave it there. We're combined one and five. We're um, due is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. We're due. We're due. We are due. This game is going to be exciting. My bet is going to hit. I'm confident in it. Before I get to my specific <laughs> before I get to my specific prop that I'm liking, I did have my eyes 
on Lions running back Jamal Williams. First of all, just because I love him. I think he's awesome. He's exciting to watch, but he's just a character. Every interview you have with him is going to be exciting. He's returning to the team that kicked him to the dirt. The Packers did not try to retain him in free agency. Not even to the season. curb, to the dirt. All the way to the dirt. To the dirt. They actually threw him off the moving bus. <laughs> and were like, see ya. I didn't love his numbers, which is the reason why I'm not on him for a prop, but I do love this video. We got to show this video. It was after practices or a game last week, uh, heading into this week two game. They didn't want me like that ex-girlfriend. Shoot, I got to go. I got to go. You know, I got to rebound. It was the Lions. They picked me up. You know what I mean? Now they feeding me good, taking me to dinners. You know what I mean? Another man's treasure, another man's treasure. <laughs> I mean, that's gold. I lo- it's so good that you're like, I'm not taking Jamal, but like we still have to work this into the show somehow. We, we have to. Because I think everyone saw that and was like, I feel that. On a deep, personal level. Oh, and he's going to go off. I feel it. I mean, I really do think he's going to go off. I wanted to get... We have him over 36 and a half rushing. I he's going to go off, but you're not taking it? plus rushing. Well, I like MBS more. Okay. Yeah, Packers wide receiver. I'm going MBS over 39 and a half receiving yards. It is up to 40 and a half now, but I jumped out at 39 and a half. In week one... Three catches on a team high, eight targets. Overall, he ranked sixth in air yards in the entire NFL for week one. I was looking at total receptions because we had it at three, but I'm thinking the yards just makes more sense here. Last year, he averaged just over 20 yards a catch. I'd rather get it possibly on one throw than have to sweat it out and wait for four catches. If he does get to four, then he would blow through the yards, I expect. So this way, you don't have to sweat it out. You don't have to worry about game flow and volume. So that's where I am. He had eight targets, though. In week one, and so you like that. I really like the bet. I think, I think, I think you're gonna cash there. I'm hoping I cash as well. I'm gonna run it back on the Monday night tight ends. I struck out badly with Mark Andrews' anytime score in week one when the Ravens lost that overtime thriller to the Raiders. I'm running it back with Lions tight end T.J. Hawkinson over 53 and a half receiving yards. That's minus 115, um, which some of the other props are minus 125. So a decent value there, a little bit less juice, but it's not gonna matter. Because it's going to hit. I like that. Because you know what? He's all they got. (laughs) He had eight catches on 11 targets for 97 yards and a touchdown in week one against San Francisco. I expect this to be a negative game script as well for these Lions where they're having to play catch-up. I I just anticipate Aaron Rodgers is going to score points this week. I don't think it's going to happen two weeks in a row where the the Packers offense gets completely shut down. Thus, the Lions are going to be chucking it all over the yard. Uh, I like DeAndre Swift as well over 28 and a half, but it makes me nervous. Um, that he's questionable for this game. So I'm going to go with the healthy tight end. They are by far best receiving target. uh, Over 53.5 for TJ Hawkinson. Looking to get that second win, please. I like it. I'm going to tell you. Are you going to tell me? I'll tell you. I'm in. Can we we get – we, like, started fighting a little bit? (laughs) We started the show a little hot. And you didn't apologize, (laughs) which is okay. It's on you. I'm sorry, question mark, but you jinxed jinxed my last – Okay, that's fair. Yeah, you did. All right. All right, guys, that's it for episode four. Thanks for watching and listening. Good luck tonight and good luck the rest of the week. We'll see you on Thursday.